The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm very happy to be talking to you today, as I am every single Wednesday afternoon. Lots of things going on here in the world of Main Street Vegan. I'm going to tell you about a couple of those before we jump into the show. We are going to be talking today uh, with Amy Rebecca, who is the founder and owner of Vegan Scene in Venice, California. I'm going to tell you all about that in just a minute. And after the first break, we will be bringing on Dr. Milton Mills. So, you know, sometimes our show is Ask the Dietitian. And every now and then, it's the doctor is in. And that's what's happening on today's show. So after the first break, if you do have a question for internist Dr. Milton Mills, just give us a call, 888-558-6489. And you can talk to the doctor, you can talk to me, or, you know, call us now. We'll have some girl talk with uh, Amy, Rebecca, and you and me. So, a couple of things to let you in on. I forgot to do the newsletter yesterday. If you are someone who subscribes to the weekly Main Street Minute, well, it's usually weekly, except this week there wasn't one. So, apologize to anybody who, who missed that. And I will let you know something that we do share in the newsletter every week so that you can check out this week's blog at MainStreetVegan.net. It's called Vegan Stereotypes Are So Last Decade and is written by Carlo Giardina, vegan lifestyle coach and educator, half of the food duo. You know the food duo from their Twitter chats a couple of times a week. And Carlo and his wife Carmela are about to open a vegan convenience mart in Philadelphia. So if you're in that area, keep an eye and ear out for that. That is just going to be some really good competition for the 7-Eleven. Good to have a little free market going on in vegan Philly. And the other thing I want to share with you before we jump into the show is that I've started doing something new on the blog. So the same place where you will find Carlo's blog this week, MainStreetVegan.net slash blog. I'm also posting every Thursday morning after we do this show, show notes. 
because I know a lot of you listen while you're running or driving, and people say the coolest things, and they say these wonderful quotes, or they give a website or, or a book recommendation, and you might not have a chance to write that down. So that's why uh, we're going to have show notes, and after you listen to the show or before you listen to the show, just go on over there to MainStreetVegan.net slash blog and check out the show notes for the episode in question. And if it's today, we'll have a little something to say about Amy Rebecca and Vegan Scene. I took from the website the coolest couple of sentences. It says, Vegan Scene is basically a life, vegan lifestyle center. But we don't like to call ourselves that because it makes us think of shuffleboard. We fancy ourselves a vegan Studio 54 with more quinoa. <laughs> So, for those of you who may not yet know, Vegan Scene is Los Angeles' first vegan retail and event space. Founder and owner Amy Rebecca, vegan for 13 years, is the power and vision behind Vegan Scene. And she's coming from such successes as the Fur Free LA campaigns and the Vegans of Instagram account, which has spurred a movement of meetups and gatherings across the country. Amy is a secret shopaholic who loves shoes, kittens, puppies, and soccer. See, vegans are regular people, too. Welcome, Amy Rebecca. Hey there, how's it going? It's terrific. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I would say, uh, my shopping problem is not so secret, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took that straight from the press release, so somebody thinks you're <laughs> hiding it. So let us know, let all the listeners know, what is Vegan Scene? Um, well, like you said, we are a lifestyle center and a multi purpose space focusing on trying to bring a totally different um, vibe to the vegan world. Um, we have stylish hand-curated fashion. We have fitness classes from Pilates to yoga um, to um, intensity training classes. We also have cooking classes with spork foods. And um, But basically, I just created a space that I would want to hang out in. Um, it's Everything is we want people to have fun, and we want it to be something that's for everyone, for the vegan community, vegetarians, omnivores, Venice, Los Angeles, just having a fun spot where it is vegan, but when you come in the doors, it's that's sort of a second thought because what we've created is something that we want everyone to enjoy. That's so great. And you are at 610 Main Street in Venice, California, so that makes you a Main Street vegan. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> that right, yeah. So, so talk about the the parts of a vegan scene that exists now. So, talk about the shop first. Get us all fashioned up. Um, so we are um, we have brands like um, Delicate Rain, Vocature, um, Hipsters for Sisters, um, Gypsy, Show Me Your Moo Moo, Arbor. Um, we are also putting. Um, it's not just women's fashion. We're putting a huge push on men's um, fashion and accessories. I feel like that's one thing that's kind of underrepresented right now. And um, But also beauty products. We have um, fun kitchen supplies for, you know, people after cooking classes can come and check out some of the um, products used in class. And um, But, yeah, the, the big thing is we're carrying things not just because they're vegan. Um, it is a, it, the criteria, but we put a huge emphasis on style. So um, at least for, when it comes to women's fashion, I wouldn't sell something that I wouldn't want to wear myself. So um, definitely bringing that kind of um, L.A. street style, a little bohemian, but still really just at the end of the day, cute, comfortable clothes. And um, uh we keep adding new stuff every day. I'm really excited for fall fashion to arrive, which is going to be a little bit dangerous for myself. <laughs> I can't buy all of my own inventory. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's what we've got right now. And we're how it's sort of set up is between like 10 and 6, um, we're open for retail during the week. And then um, 
in the mornings and evenings after those hours is when the fitness classes happen. I and, see. Um, the cooking classes are usually right now twice a month, so we'll have those set aside for special events. And then um, one of my favorite things about this space is it's an event space, so I can throw parties and kind of not be limited to um, to what I can do in the space because it it's been, it's basically been created for um, meetups. But it can go from, you know, cute retail shop during the day to full-on kind of nightclub with all of our LED lights. Um, but, yeah, that, so as you said, I was um, – I had a Vegans of Instagram, and I was hosting meetups around the country. And one of the things that I ran into was there's a lot of really awesome vegan restaurants out there, but those aren't really always the ideal places to have – um, an event, um, especially a mixer, you need a lot of space and people to walk around and chat, and um, it doesn't really work if they're kind of sitting down in a booth somewhere. So I'd end up having those events at, you know, vegan-friendly bars that had a couple items on the menu that were vegan and a pretty good, like, Barnivore-approved uh, bar section, but... Um, so it, it left me a little bit limited as to how I could throw an event. So that was kind of how this place sparked, is let's bring all of those elements into one multi-purpose space and um, and just have fun with it. So we've got, um, right now we're prepping for our vegan Big Lebowski party on Saturday with um, everything from a rug that will really tie the room together to vegan white Russians, pizza, um, beer pong. So uh, it, it's going to be a fun night. Oh, it, it sounds amazing. And I, I love it that you're wanting to be open to the whole community and, and people who aren't vegan, and yet the vegans can know everything's okay. It's so nice to sometimes be able to go somewhere and not have to say, what is this? What's in this? <laughs> no. Oh, totally. So, it's going to the store, you have to be on your phone and checking apps to see what this symbol means at the bottom of a shoe. Is that like, is that a cowhide? Can I wear this? Do I have to check this site? So here you can you can shop and not to worry that we've already taken care of that for everyone. So that's yeah. very cool. Now, there was a phrase on your site, and I don't know what it means. What is a level five vegan? You said you don't have oh, to be a level um, five vegan. It's a Simpsons joke. The ah. um, Well, I always like to joke, too, because I've got a squeaky high voice. So I always say, you know, that's why animals love me, because only dogs can hear me. Oh, but um, <laughs> I've always, I've, I mean, I love the Simpsons. And um, basically, the episode that Lisa goes vegetarian she meets an activist, and um, he says that he's a level five vegan, and he only eats anything that uh, he doesn't eat anything that casts a shadow. Oh, so um, that's sort of how it came from, and we kind of have fun with that here. So, I mean, I think um, it's good to. I mean, it, veganism is, you know, it covers serious issues like animal abuse and the environment, but we can also have fun with it, too. It's good to poke fun at ourselves. So I, I've always enjoyed that joke. And I so we love kind it. of incorporated it into, <laughs> when into the space. inspired me to go look up that episode. So did anybody try to convince you to tone down the V word, maybe have it vegan but call it something else? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> my dad... I uh, was suggesting that I call it something like Compassionista or something like that. But for me, it was really important that vegan be in the name of the shop. But um, And then the rest of the store, we could run wild and have it be whatever. But when people walk in the door, they know that everything is vegan and it's cool. So, um, sure, there there is. Um, but I think also... He's coming from, um, I mean, he knew when I first went vegan. This was like 2002. Um, people didn't know what the word meant. And if they did, they thought, you know, I'd 
not get enough nutrients and die eventually or something like that. So, um, that, that, but I think it, the movement has changed so much now that it's not really a scary word. So, um, sure, there are still some stereotypes, but now so many people have been adopting the lifestyle that I don't really see it as, um, as something that would affect business. But it is certainly the mission here that, um, to to bring a different vibe to the word and to show that um, we can have high fashion and rad parties too. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, I love Venice, California. I was telling you before the show that if I could be bi-coastal, the other coast would be your neighborhood. And if I were there this weekend, I would go to your big Lebowski party on Saturday night and then on Sunday, I would be at your place at 10 a.m. for Rise and Shine Yoga. Then I would go over to your shop and shop a lot. And then I would head on to Cafe Gratitude and have lunch because you are going to have a restaurant eventually, you're planning, but that's not there yet. So, Well, go- when, yeah, one of the things that we were um, – that we would like to do is have like a coffee juice bar during the day. Um, so when people shop, there are some like kind of cafe items and also just have it be a place where people can come and hang out. And then also um, have something where it's a bar lounge at night. And, you know, after you go out to eat at Cafe Gratitude, you can come by our space and and have a lounge area. There's, I mean, there's a couple of vegan bars in Portland, but we don't really have that here in LA. Um, there's definitely a lot more of those events popping up, but not really a venue for it. Um, but I, I definitely would like to see in the future, um, and maybe something if vegan scene takes off to start having more nightlife type event uh, spaces that are, um, 100% vegan, and um, but have that be something where, I mean, I, what would be great is the norm is the um, ethical, like ethical cred, not have to be something that um, that is a selling point. That that's just how it is, and we don't have to worry about that. That we're just getting great stuff. So, I, and I think. I'm- yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I love that. And I bet if you have anything to do with it, that that is absolutely going to happen. I can just sense your energy even across the country and, and through the phone. So the, the website, everybody is veganscene.com and they are at veganscene on all social media. So go follow them everywhere. And, uh, when you're out in Southern California, Make that your first stop. Thank you so very much, Amy, and great success with this wonderful venture. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you, and uh, hopefully see you soon. I hope so. All the best. Everybody else, stay with us. We'll be back with Dr. Milton Mills right after this. programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. 
Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. Lovely to have you with us today. If you're a new listener and don't know much about what we do over here at Main Street Vegan, check us out at MainStreetVegan.net. Quite a lot going on over there. You can also find me on Facebook at Main Street Vegan, on Instagram at Main Street Vegan, and on Face on um, Twitter, my very favorite, there's at Main Street Vegan, and there's at Victoria underscore Moran, where I tweet myself and say all sorts of things that I think are important. Hope you will connect there. I'll be looking for you. I know this is kind of our Venice, California show, but something else is happening out in that amazing little city by the sea this weekend. And I did want to give a shout out. Leanne Maylee Hilgard of Vote Couture, wonderful, wonderful coats and other fashions. They're going to be having a pop-up shop out in Venice for a couple of months. That will be going through October 21st. 
And this weekend, Leanne will actually be there 1 to 7 on Saturday, 11 to 7 on Sunday. That would be the last weekend of August 2015. Uh, their shop is at 1306 Abbott, 6 Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice. So you can go to Vegan Scene, then you can check out La Vote autumn shop. Very, very cool and fun. And also, before bringing on our next guest, I just want to give another shout out to a thing that's going on where three little kitties need some help. Now, I know and you know that there are millions of creatures of every species who need a lot of help. But these three little cats have just kind of captured my heart partly because the woman who is attempting to save them is is such a saint. And these are three bonded kitties whose mother was killed when they were very young. So they bonded with each other. And Ilsa Singer, this wonderful rescuer, has taken care of them in terms of, of food and getting them spayed and shots and all that kind of thing. But they are feral cats, and the place where they've been living is being turned into a construction site. So she needs to get them to a really good sanctuary out in the country. She found one, and believe me, it's hard to place feral cats. But she needed to raise $3,000, and that may not sound too hard, but, you know, try to do it. And so she only needs like 270 bucks. I mean, it's just a really tiny little bit of money to be sure that all three of these wonderful cats will have a life forever after. So you might want to check that out, tinyurl.com slash sisters. And while you're feeling generous, Unity Online Radio counts on your donations. This show and all of the other wonderful programs on this uplifting and enlightening station are here because people like you care and help out, and we'd just be most grateful if you would do that. Thank you so very, very much. I'm just checking my... Yay! My engineer has given me a thumbs up, and that means that Dr. Milton Mills is on the line. Hey there, Dr. Mills. We're having a little bit of tech difficulty. That happens quite often these days. Do you notice that? I used to think, oh, this is terrible. I'm having to spend time on tech stuff. And now I just sort of allow it. I figure about an hour a week goes to tech, and then the rest of the time can go to what I really do in the world. And one of the things that I really do in the world is run a fabulous program called Main Street Vegan Academy that trains vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. So if you're ready to take your vegan outreach to the next level, if you want to turn this into something more, maybe a side business, maybe a full-time business, some people are doing it that way, or if you just want to have a wonderful immersion in vegandom with amazing instructors and fun field trips and great food and friendships that will last forever, check us out, MainStreetVegan.net slash Academy. And a great thank you to Jasmine Singer and Marianne Sullivan of OurHenHouse.org who did a great story on the Academy yesterday. Thank you so much, Jasmine and Marianne. They're a couple of our fabulous instructors. No wonder the program is so special. Aha, Dr. Mills is here now, and I'm going to introduce him before I lose him. Milton Mills, M.D., is a practicing internist in Fairfax, Virginia and Washington, D.C., a graduate of Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. Mills is the Associate Director of Preventative Medicine for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and co-author of PCRM's report on racial and ethnic bias in the U.S. Dietary Guidelines. Dr. Mills serves as the Race and Nutrition Specialist and Board Advisor for a Well-Fed World. Welcome, Dr. Milton Mills. Uh, Thank you so much, Victoria. Well, it's wonderful to have you. I'm very glad to be here. And, again, apologize for uh, my tardiness. That's all right. You're a doctor. You're you're entitled. My dad was a doctor, (laughs) and and we were late for everything. And I just got so used to say, but he was saving lives. So I'm cool. Well, you know, I I did have to work um, last night, and and the shift ran really late. And so it just put through everything kind of off today. 
you are here now, and this is the only moment that there is. Okay. So let's jump in and talk fast. I'll be the New Yorker, and you can pretend to be a New Yorker, and we can both talk fast. So tell us, please, your story. You are a medical doctor and a vegan. How did those two things happen? Well, that's, that is uh, interesting and somewhat secured its root. Um, but to, to try and do the Reader's Digest version of this, um, when I was a teenager, I uh, became a Seventh-day Adventist. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, advocates a plant-based diet for its members. Um, and approximately half the members choose to be plant-based. Um, and But typically... Um, um, I think most of the Adventist vegetarians are lacto ovo, as as I was. Um, and it took me, uh, I would say, about a year after I joined the church before I actually convert, uh, made the diet change. And I made it because God convinced me that by having a clearer mind um, through having a better diet that um, I would have a better relationship with him. So this is, uh, it, it was very clear that, my dietary choices impacted my spiritual development and uh, ability to connect with God. And um, from there, um, I, when I moved to Washington, D.C. to finish my residency at Georgetown, I became involved with PCRM. And out of my involvement with PCRM grew um, this study that you uh, referenced, racial bias in U.S. U.S dietary guidelines, and uh, I was finding patients who were coming to my outpatient clinic with bowel problems that they thought um, were related to some something that was wrong with them, and it turned out that uh, the problems they were having were related to the fact that they were continuing to eat dairy foods, and, and um, there's a high percentage of lactose intolerance amongst uh, um, populations of uh, ethnic minorities and, and so forth, and um, after having them do a trial of no dairy and saying that in more than 80% of the cases, the uh, problems cleared up, it became clear to me that it was a form of institutional uh, racism for the U.S. government to encourage Americans of color to consume foods that it knew would be uh, unhealthy for them or cause them uh, di- you know, uh, health problems. And so I proposed to PCRM that we do this, this, the uh, papers on racial bias and U.S. dietary guidelines. We did them, and once they were published, um, the uh, Vegetarian Summerfest, the people that organized Vegetarian Summerfest, which is, a, as you know, a uh, wonderful uh, five-day vegan conference that happens every year at the University of Pittsburgh uh, during the month of July, they invited uh, PCRM to come and present their findings, uh, and I did. And um, they really emphasized the the importance and benefits and values of vegan living and vegan lifestyle. And that's where uh, my diet evolved from a lacto-ovo into uh, um, a more strictly vegan uh, diet. And we're so glad it did because we just love our vegan docs. <laughs> you guys are taking this movement into places where it would never be going without you. So since right. you did well, mention, go ahead. Yeah, can I add just one one other thing? Because sure. uh, I, I've, I neglected to mention how I got into medicine. And um, I, in looking for something to do with my life uh, after I started college, I I knew I didn't want to spend my life like, you know, some Wall Street person just chasing money and and just focused on uh, uh, accumulating stuff. Um, And so I uh, looked, I I decided I wanted to uh, spend my career helping people understand that they didn't have to live in fear that their heart was going to someday attack them or that, you know, they were going to fall prey to all of these cancers and and uh, kidney problems and all the other, you know, health-related issues that we see uh, in Western countries uh, that are directly related to the ways we eat and live. And I initially thought about doing it uh, as a public health uh, person, but then I realized that if I did, if I went that route my entire career, I would have to listen to people tell me, you can't tell me that because you're not a doctor. So I decided, well, you know what, I'll become a doctor, and then I'll be able to help people understand 
why they need to change their diet to have better health. Oh, that's very cool. And so many people say that nutritionally, there's just not much taught in medical school. And sometimes you're better off finding, you know, somebody else, a registered dietitian. But it's cool. You're, with you they're absolutely right. It, the, the sad and tragic fact is that there is not a lot of, in, in traditional medical education, there is not a focus on, um, on the relationship between nutrition and disease. And in fact, I can tell a little anecdote about when I was actually interviewing for medical school. I was interviewing in Boston and um, uh, at a medical school in Boston, and the uh, interviewer asked me, he said, what are you interested in? I went into my whole spiel about preventive medicine. He listened patiently. Then he said, well, you don't want to end up like the dentist. They fluoridated the water, and now they have no patients. And I committed the ultimate interview faux pas, I looked horrified. And he then tried to clean it up by saying, well, what I mean is in medicine, we operate from the disease model. We are in the business of treating sick people. We are not in the business of trying to keep people from becoming sick. And and what he said was technically true. That is the way modern Western medicine has has developed in focusing on diseases and trying to uh, uh, you know treat those diseases. But the fact is that we now have abundant knowledge about the root causes of the, of the chronic diseases that we are trying to treat, and the fact that they are directly related to the ways we eat and live. And therefore, it begs the question, why aren't we focusing more on trying to help people uh, uh, prevent illness as opposed to simply treating it? And so, yes, what he said was true, but clearly uh, I and a number of, of other physicians believe that uh, medicine has to move into in the direction of preventing disease and not just profiting from trying to treat them. Well, amen to that. So you were talking a little bit before about the work that you were doing with PCRM and the dietary guidelines uh, about uh, how they're, well, racially prejudiced, one sure. might say. And the other night I, I came in from a trip and I was in Penn Station and the Black Lives Matter people were having a demonstration, and I stood for a while and, and listened to the things that they had to say. And I thought there needs to be another Black Lives Matter that has to do with all the diseases that seem to affect the African-American community even more severely than other communities, even though all of the Western world is certainly suffering from type 2 diabetes and heart disease and things like that. So what are the particular problems facing African-Americans medically and, and health-wise, and how, how can um, we reach them? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually a very prescient uh, thought of yours. And, and I, I, personally, as opposed to seeing another movement, I would like to see the sort of consciousness of the Black Lives Matter movement expand to include, you know, not only issues of, uh, um, you know, police violence and, and the way that affects our lives, but also the the very things you mentioned, uh, um, the the health issues that we confront, and it it turns out that that these issues are important for uh, um, I mean all Americans of course, but they are dis they, uh, the the health issues that you were referring to, and I'll, I'll mention them specifically in a minute, affect ethnic minorities to a disproportionate degree, and the reason is that um, African Americans. Uh, and and uh, pe- black uh, individuals in uh, Western countries um, have a gene pool that originated in Western Africa. And when you look at the traditional West African diets, they are plant-based diets that are low in fat, contain no dairy, contain very little uh, meat, and are primarily based on legumes, grains, uh, 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 green leafy vegetables, fruits, and so forth. And these are whole plant foods, not processed plant foods. And the same thing is true when you look at traditional Native American diets. They were largely plant-based diets that were based on whole plant foods. Same thing for uh, 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 Latino Americans, 
from traditional uh, New World Latin countries and as well as Asian Americans. And, and even today, uh, when you look at traditional Chinese and Japanese diets, they are largely plant-based diets, no dairy, low in fat, so forth. And the reason that's important is because when populations uh, uh, that hail from areas where these, this is a type of diet that are that are consumed, they they develop a suite of metabolic genes called thrifty genes. These are uh, genes that control their metabolism that are designed to um, basically interface with um, the type of diet I described: plant-based, whole food, low-fat, very little animal food, no dairy, and so forth. And when people with those types of genes suddenly start eating a Western-style diet, which tends to be low in fiber, uh, low in plant uh, foods, high in animal foods, higher in fat, it causes disproportionate levels of disease. So it causes diseases in everyone. But for those who are less adapted to eating that way, it causes higher levels of disease. And so you find in African-Americans, for instance, an African-American man is uh, – more than 10 times as likely as a Caucasian-American man to develop diabetes. African-American women are over seven times as likely. Furthermore, once an African-American develops diabetes, we are over 240 times more likely to end up with a limb amputation due to uh, clogged arteries in our our. Uh, legs, we're more than 100 times more likely to end up blind because of retinal damage and over 100 times more likely to end up on dialysis due to uh, diabetes-related kidney failure. Um, when you look at uh, prostate cancer, prostate cancer is most, more than twice as uh, um, African-American men are, are something like two to three times more likely to develop prostate cancer than white Americans. Furthermore, we once when we develop prostate cancer, it it tends to be the more aggressive types of cancers that essentially kill us much sooner. Uh, so it's a much more deadly disease in African Americans than it is in Caucasian Americans. Some the same thing similar uh, uh, with breast cancer. African American women are uh, something like ten to fifteen percent more likely to develop breast cancer than their white counterparts. And then they're more than 20% uh, as likely to die from it once it, devel it develops. Now, this, I'm speaking of African-Americans who are eating, you know, the typical American-style diet. When, in fact, we convert to plant-based diets, our disease risk plummets. We, uh, we have lower rates of heart disease, lower rates of diabetes, lower rates of kidney problems, lower rates of cancer. So uh, this is, this, this, these, disproportionate levels of diseases that we see in these communities of color are directly related to eating this typical American-style diet. Wow. I wish you were up here in my neighborhood in Harlem just shouting from rooftops, but I guess shouting on the radio is even better. So these are yes, incredible and, numbers and, that you're uh, saying. You know, at, I mean, one of these days we had talked about, you know, having a uh, – trying to – you know, uh, eventually organize a uh, uh, a Harlem uh, uh, sort of plant based based festival. I mean, that was a, an idea that you had proposed uh, a few months ago, and I think it's a wonderful idea. And I hope that someday we'll be able to bring it to fruition. I hope so too, and I hope somebody's listening who would like to help with that. I, the young woman that I was speaking with earlier started this wonderful place out in Venice, California. It's called Vegan Scene, and it's got all this vegan stuff going on. And somebody like that, with all that organizational ability, could so get this thing off the ground. So sure, if somebody out sure. there is listening who wants to uh, take the Harlem Veg Fest and <laughs> bring it into reality, that would just be totally cool. Now, I know. Oh, Dr. Mills, that you are familiar with a couple of new studies that are saying what vegans have been saying all along, the paleo diet, uh, well, for starters, it's not paleo. You want to tell Absolutely. us a little bit about those? Yes. It, it, well, first of all, I mean, what, what, uh, what, uh, the first thing I want people to understand is that most of this sort of paleo diet stuff that people hear 
it's, it's, it's simply nonsense because uh, a few, I mean, several years ago, you know, uh, a number of authors started um, just writing books um, that um, dealt with what they believed that um, uh, humans living in the Paleolithic era were eating. And they assumed that these people were eating a primarily meat-based diet. And therefore, uh, they came up with these uh, dietary regimens that are heavily uh, based on flesh foods, um, have, um, you know, uh, fewer vegetables, uh, uh, they're low in fiber, uh, they tend to be much higher in fat. And, uh, and this is based on all of these idiotic notions about cave people going out and killing all these animals and, and eating them all day long. Well, it, it's simply not true because human beings without modern hunting equipment simply are too inefficient as hunters to be able to kill enough animals to eat uh, a flesh all day. It, it just does not work. Uh, furthermore, we know that when people eat this way, it causes much, much higher levels of disease. And so um, it, it, it never made sense. And now uh, there was a recent article published uh, in the journal Science where uh, a group of, of, of researchers really looked back at what people were probably eating and concluded that the real paleo diet was one that was based on starchy tubers, whole plant foods, uh, legumes, and nuts. And that, of course, makes much more sense because these are foods that are high in, in, in nutrient density, um, uh, high in calories, uh, loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and fiber, and they're foods that humans could easily uh, uh, um, access uh, in sufficient quantities to not only support themselves but their families and, and extended families. And so uh, clearly... Uh, 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 research is now sort of evolving to uh, uh, provide the evidence that, that we've always suspected was there, that, that humans are, in fact, plant eaters, and then, uh, or, or have always been uh, 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 existing on a plant-based diet. And then there's a second study that uh, came out recently that uh, where these researchers have realized that farming, uh, the process of of growing plants uh, for for food started, you know, as as, as much as uh, uh, ten to twenty thousand years earlier than um, than previously thought. Um, and again, uh, it only makes sense because human beings have always been intelligent, and it doesn't take a huge leap to realize that if you save some of the seeds that you gathered and plant them that you then don't have to do as much work going out and trying to, to find more of them the, the next season. And so it, 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 it never made sense to me that people uh, um, assume that, that human beings wouldn't realize that um, they could grow their own food as well as uh, uh, gather it. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think these two studies go a long way towards helping people realize that we were uh, fundamentally plant-based from, from the get-go. And didn't you also tell me that the study that people were quoting and the paleo people were so happy about something that said that uh, the meat in the diet was what caused the human brain to develop and make us so smart and be able to use our opposable thumb. But now the latest research is saying, no, it wasn't the meat, it was the starches. Right. Well, yeah, it's, there, there's a, uh, <clears throat> a researcher by the name of Catherine Milton, uh, I, I, I despise the fact that we actually share any part of our name, uh, from UC Berkeley, who for years has um, advanced these theories that somehow it was meat-eating that uh, sort of spurred and supported the development of the human brain. But that has always been, uh, in my opinion, a ridiculous notion because there's nothing about animal tissue that inherently uh, promotes brain development because if that were true then the carnivores would have the biggest brains in existence because that's all they eat is meat. Furthermore, the human brain, uh, everybody who's, who's listening to this uh, broadcast right now will uh, 
expend an average, let's just say an average of 2,000 calories uh, every day, well, fully one-fourth of, that, of, of the energy that you expend every day is used by your brain alone. Now, your brain only accounts for 3% of your body weight, but it uses uh, uh, 25% of all the energy that you expend every 24 hours. And that means that the brain is the most metabolically active tissue in our body, and the only thing your brain will use for its energy metabolism is glucose. And glucose is, of course, uh, sugar that comes from starch. And so what these researchers are pointing out is that it makes much more sense that it was the adaptation and the utilization of, of high-energy starchy plant foods that actually allowed for the uh, expansion and development of the human brain because that is the food that the human brain uses. Furthermore, they have found that in humans, we have an amplification of the genes that process starch so that we can provide all of this energy that our brains are constantly demanding. And you don't have that if you're eating uh, animal tissue because animal tissue is mainly protein and fat, not the carbohydrate uh, that the brain really wants. Mm, fascinating. Now, I'm, I'm sorry to just be rushing through all this because our time is so short, but I know that one of your areas of expertise is the digestive system. And I hear from so many people, particularly young women, I mean women in their 20s, that are plagued with all sorts of digestive difficulties. Sure. So can you give us a kind of capsule look at why we don't seem to be able to process food very well? Well, it's because we're eating the wrong foods. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, I, you know, it's, I had a, an experience with, uh, when I used to work at the, um, health clinic over at the Department of Justice, there was this really lovely, uh, young, uh, lawyer, she was female, who would come in to see me from time to time and talk about all of the kind of digestive problems that she was having. And when I asked her to do a, a you know, a, a food diary, to basically write down everything she ate for, you know, at least three days for up to a week. Then we could come down and actually see what she was putting in her body. It, it turned out to be all of this, what I call fake food. It was diet soda, um, uh, you know, these puff rice cakes, um, all of this low-cal, uh, low-fiber, you know, yogurt and and, and so forth, that was providing her body with very little in the way of nutrients, almost no fiber whatsoever. And as a consequence, her, her digestive system was simply out of sorts because it was not being given the material that it was designed to process. We have a dietary uh, tract that is typical for a plant-based mammal with a modest size uh, to uh, stomach, very long small intestine, and a uh, proportionately long and uh, la uh, large intestine. And as it turns out, the, um, when, when you look at the time that a person eats a typical meal and, you know, how long it takes for that meal to move through their body, our food spends most of its time in our colon. And the reason it spends that time in the colon is that it's not supposed to just be sitting there. The colon is designed to process fiber. And when we eat a diet that is high in fiber, the bacteria in the, in our colons create all of these sort of, these physiologic compounds that help improve our physiology. They, one of the main things that they do is they ferment or break down fiber into products called short chain fatty acids. Um, the uh, four-carbon uh, short-chain fatty acid, which is called butyrate, is actually really important for maintaining colon health and uh, helping to prevent colon cancer. Uh, the three-carbon uh, 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 fatty acid is called propionate, and it turns out propionate lowers your cholesterol level. It uh, stops the uh, liver from producing too much sugar and functions very similarly to the uh, way um, a diabetes medicine called glucophage or metformin works. Uh, and it also helps uh, uh, boost levels of 
the good cholesterol called HDL. Um, and so it, 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 the bacteria also modify um, a variety of plant-based compounds called like lignans and phytoestrogens into, into uh, substances that are then absorbed and actually help reduce the risk of both prostate and breast cancer. Uh, and so the, it just does an amazing array of, of, of uh, important physiologic activities. And now it turns out that people are realizing that many of the compounds produced um, uh, by the action of bacteria on fiber in our colons actually affect our brain functioning and can reduce our risk for depression and help the brain function much better. And so we are just sort of entering into this new age where we're beginning to discover all of the things that our colon can and should be doing for us. But the caveat is you have to be eating a plant-based, whole food, high-fiber diet. Because if you aren't putting in that fiber into the colon, the bacteria in the colon can't do what they're supposed to do. And that's the problem for so many of us because instead of eating a a high-fiber, plant-based diet, we're eating diets that are low in fiber and high in animal fat and protein, we are putting compound substances into our colon that actually create toxins as opposed to these beneficial physiologic compounds I spoke of. So yay for fiber and real food and plant food. And oh my gosh, I just wish you were my doctor, but you're my friend and maybe that's even better. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Oh, it was be- absolutely my pleasure, uh, Victoria. And and again, I, I'm, I'm so sorry that, that the time was shorter because of me getting, you know, kind of turned around with work. And, you know, if you ever want to have me back, I would love to come back and talk with you some more. That would be fabulous, Ken. We can get into, because I know you're also an expert on, on the biblical uh, reasons why Absolutely. people that's, should That's something be that is vegan. obviously near and dear to my heart. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And it's and, a and, wonderful area for discussion because, you know, God designed us, so he knows what we should be eating, and he told us. Well, yeah, so then, that that would be that would be a a, a delightful uh, uh, conversation to have. Then we will just reconvene here, maybe in the winter time, and okay. uh, we'll we'll talk about the soul and real soul food, vegan food. Oh, is it, wouldn't that be wonderful? Okie doke. Thank you so much, Dr. Milton Mills, and thank you, listeners. It's such a great joy to spend this time with you every week. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and to everybody who's hearing these words. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. the key to happiness would you like to find the fountain of youth how about all the money and love that you could handle well my friends it is there for you you just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life you need to be real be vulnerable be naked what are you waiting for let's get naked This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. 
Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 